Welcome back, everybody. Rules of the Arena number 51. We are back and not in Studio B of Blind Ninja Studios because of, well, I had some stuff come up and couldn't make it there. And But happy to say that tonight, Grandpa Ben is finally back missing. He was found making a board out of some pine cones with some squirrels and raccoons. We we're kind of worried about him, but we'll get him back to the, the group home promptly after tonight. Mm. <laughs> And joining us from the warm and sunny Dallas, Texas area is BJ Harrison, owner and founder of Byram's Custom Woodworks. Thank you, BJ, for taking time to come on the show tonight. Uh, I just want to introduce yourself to the folks listening. Hey, Gordon, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, my name is BJ, um, owner of Byram's Custom Woodworks. So um, a little background myself. I'm the father of two, husband, um, lived in Texas all but five years of my life and grew up building and making with my dad and grandpa and decided one day that, hey, I can at least make some money out of doing this and have some fun on the side. <laughs> and at the end of the day, meet a lot of really cool people and, you know, in the woodworking community, which, you know, is probably one of my favorite communities out in the world. And, you know, I get to build and have fun, you know, teach my kids stuff and drive my wife crazy with my overly expensive and dusty habit so. <laughs> <laughs> the hope is that that always pays for itself right or at least that's the lie we tell them that and and you know that's the one thing because if a new tool shows up it's like hey baby it's okay it, you know the company paid for it you know what are you talking about i've had that for six months <laughs> yeah that, that brand new saw stop that, that what no <laughs> yeah. i've always had yeah, she approved that purchase, so I'm okay there. <laughs> so she was her you, idea. Did you ever do any formal training besides just working with your dad and grandpa? Or like take a um, or, I know Ben's gone to a, a few different schools and used this stuff here a few months ago for structural wood class. No, that was for lumber grading with the Wisconsin DNR. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like fun, actually. Um, no, no formal training. Um, I did spend a summer in high school um, framing houses with um a friend of my dad's you know he needed some help and his son and i said hey you know we're young and dumb and willing to make a few extra dollars and yeah we'll throw two by fours why not so learn the joys of house framing and sheet rocking and um a lot of all of my quote unquote formal training as some would put it is just growing up with my dad and grandpa you know we didn't grow up poor i just grew up with you know a dad and grandpa that figured if i can fix it I'm going to fix it. Why pay somebody else to do it? And, you know, my dad had a small, simple wood shop. My mom was an artist and they decided one day, instead of buying all these intricate little wooden cutouts that she was painting and selling, he went and spent a couple grand and bought some tools from Sears one day. And that's, you know, he, he opened his own, had his own little wood shop and he started supplying a lot of the, the, the folk art, artists around the area <laughs> this is you know way back before ebay and amazon so it was all just word of mouth and i got a little you know i got to learn some of the tools you know it was always i always remember going to the shop and you know today's me today i'm going to use a table saw no no you can use the the um band saw or the um god he had another one i can't my mind just went blank on it um it was a little just a little tabletop saw that you know if you did happen to hit a finger with it it's you know tis but a flesh wound at that <laughs> but, um yeah never and honestly it was funny it wasn't until i was gosh 
or 28, 29, this is the first time I ever used my, used the, my first table saw, you know, cause I was just never allowed to. And I had this innate fear of this spinning blade that my dad had um, put into me. So I never, never used the table saw band saws and jigsaws and um, miter saws. That was no big deal. I, you know, those, those weren't dangerous, you know, but the table saw was this, you know, life ending machine. So, you know, and it's funny though it was it actually caused more injuries to my brother and i in the shop without it running because my dad (laughs) yeah so my brother and i were seven years apart i'm the oldest and the way my dad's shop was set up is when you came down the drive from the house it went straight into the big door on the shop and if you hung a good left you could shoot out the side door and there was about a two-foot drop-off so it's great to ride your bike through. We set up ramps, but it never failed. My brother and I would cut the corner a little too sharp, and that's right where that table saw was. And we'd catch a shoulder, catch a forehead, or something. <laughs> so yeah, it was. I always laugh. You know, never, never cut myself on a table saw. You know, knock on wood. But man, I've got a few scars on my left arm from it. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. So when did you start thinking that you wanted to open up? firearms custom woodworks i mean and how much time and planning did you put into it before pulling the trigger um not a lot i kind of jumped on it pretty quick um little little background kind of how it started we um for the reason we did push it is it was working for at&t i was an assistant store manager at the time i've been doing it for about four years and they announced a big surplus so they were going to lay off about 3000 managers across the country and my name just happened to come up. So, you know, it was great. It was, you know, I found out at my, on my daughter's one year birthday that I was being surplused <laughs> and I, you know, had been kind of tinkering and, you know, I had a few people like, Hey, can you build me this, you know, making a few dollars here and there. And I was like, you know, and I was trying to figure out which way I wanted to run. And I had some other job opportunities. And one of the guys I worked with said, Hey, you know, you're, you're building stuff now. Um, why don't you get an official Instagram, you know, instead of the bearded woodsmith 85 is what I had on there. He goes, come up with an, a business name, um, go ahead and tie it down. So it can't be taken, um, and run with it. So, and, and in this conversation, you know, slow days at the store, every, every, all the reps and everybody just kind of hangs out. And I had a girl that worked for me that was a graphic artist on the side. And she was, I've, I've got an idea for a logo for you. All right, cool. Let's, let's see what you got. She came back a couple of days later and had my initial, you know, circle logo with my face in the middle, you know, and Byram's, you know, we kind of just going back and forth. I was like, oh, well, I'll name, you know, Byram's Custom Woodworks. Byram is my, my, fa- my grandfather's name. I was like, I'll name it after my grandfather, you know, and it's my first name too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll do that. And then, so she came up with this logo with, you know, this, you know, the, the bearded face that, you know, I put on everything and then just kind of ran with that. And as far as like the reason we did that, um, and, you know, I say the reason we did that, it was, it was really just, you know, I didn't know where I was going to land. You know, here I am working a very well-paying job that was providing very well for my family. And I had the rug pulled out from underneath me and, had a few options, but I didn't know where I was, what was going to happen. So I was like, well, I need a back, I need a backup. You know, I knew I was going to be able to collect unemployment, have a little severance, but I've never liked that. Um, I figured if I have to do it, I'll use that money to get the business up and running, go buy a few nicer tools than I had. And 
hey, if I make if I make money doing it, if I can make a living, whatever, and you know, go from there. And fortunately, it's kind of always been a side gig for me on that. Oh, was it a tough sell to the wife that saying, you know, rather than going um, back and do a corporate job here, I want to start my own business where I mean, you, you lose that safety net with that? Not really, um, just because I did have the, the fallback of, you know, a nine to five job if I needed it. Um, and it, she knew it was a passion of mine and she she was always big on pushing my hobbies and letting me kind of do what I want to do. Um, and hang on. And so she she was the the biggest part. So this is the little one. If you want to say hi, is that the shop helper? <laughs> yeah, this is the shop helper. Right, love you. And yes, yeah, she her biggest thing was as long as the bills are paid and the kids have food on the table. You know, we have a roof over us. Do whatever I want to do. That was her biggest thing. Make sure you know at the end of the day when we swipe a credit card or we pay, you know, pay the electric bill, it doesn't bounce. That was her whole thing. Um, and I told her it was partially her fault. I wanted to do this because she was the reason, you know, she was the reason for the first project that got me back into woodworking. So it was, you know, had to, you know, she let it happen. <laughs> Since opening, are you, are you still working full time anywhere? Or are you completely self Um No, I do work uh, nine to five. Um, I'm a account manager for AT&T still. I, I left AT&T, uh, went to work for um, Rockstar Energy, and then got the opportunity to come back because even though you know with the surplus, I was still rehirable. And an old boss wanted me to come back for a position. And it's nice. It's a, it's not retail. So I'm usually off every day by four or five. So I have some time in the afternoon, you know, and, you know, set days off where I can plan projects and do that. And there's times where, you know, yeah, I'd love to, I, I looked at, you know, the Christmas numbers and yeah, I could, I could walk away, but you know, Christmas isn't Christmas isn't 12 months out of the year. So, right. Got it. You know, and having, you know, the fortunate side of working for a large, you know, company, I've got great benefits, mm-hmm. you know, and that helped us. You know, my daughter had an accident in the summer and, you know, fortunately we had really good insurance. I mean, we still cost us an arm and a leg, but you know, there's that. And, you know, if I want to, if I want to retire in 20 years, I'll have a decent retirement, but I've, but then, then again, I'm, I've always said, and I'm working with a, um, the guy that, you know, I built the big 10 foot table for he's, this guy owns like six or seven different businesses between roofing, drug testing, um, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was a, a corpsman in the Navy. So he, he does, he started doing drug tests and everything. And he asked me one day, he's like, you want to, you really want a nine to five for the rest of your life? And I'm like, well, I mean, that's, that's where it's at. He's like, well, what do you need to get started? What do you need to do this? I'm like, well, I, I need the materials. And his, his goal is, him, him and I teaming up and selling these giant epoxy tables, you know, at least trying to sell one, one a month. And if we can, you know, if that can allow me to possibly quit. And then the way his plan is I'll be an employee in a way for his company. Mm-hmm. So I can fall under his insurance, but I will essentially be a full-time, you know, table maker for his company. Sure. And if I need to build other stuff, you know, whatever, you know, he's just going to pay for the materials. And then we'll sell them at on at the end of the day. So that's a cool setup. 
Yeah, it's his excuse was he doesn't like paying taxes and he's had a, <laughs> he had a really good year, so he's like, yeah, um, you go buy about fifty grand worth of slabs and we'll um, we'll just build stuff. And I was okay. Well, <laughs> no, stop hurting my arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll start sending them to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, he he's got guys all over the country, so we can. We can get stuff down here. But, so how, yeah. do you, how do you find that balance between work and life? You know, you're working, you know, you're off work by four or five o'clock in the evening, but then you might still have X number of projects you got to do in the shop. Plus you got a wife and kid you got to carve out some time for. Uh, I, I will admit 100% it's, it's tough. Um, there for a while, it wasn't as bad because my shop was my garage. You know, I was, 10 foot from the kitchen, you know, so that was great. You know, they, they could come out and hang out with me. If I had a lull in a project or, you know, paint was drying or glue was drying, I could go inside and hang out and watch some YouTube videos or, you know, play whatever with the kids and hang out with my wife. And when we moved to the, the, the shop we're in now, which is we're about to move out of, I thought at the, at first, Hey, this is a great business opportunity. We're going to go from 400 square, 450 square feet to 1800 square feet. So, Hey, this can be a huge way to expand. And that'll be a way to get us into the, into another shop. You know, we're able to sell our house, live out there for a little bit and build this dream shop. But it, it's taxing. It's not really been, luckily my wife is very understanding. The kids aren't so much just cause you know, dad's not there. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of times like I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to run to the shop. I know this project that I'm working on is going to take me four hours. So give me four hours. I'll go out early in the morning. So get there, you know, right when we wake up, I'll be home by noon. And I'm going to spend the rest of the day with y'all on my day off. Um, fortunately, one of my days off is Wednesday. So my daughter's in school. Uh, my son is homeschooled um, with his mom homeschooled him. So he just hangs out at the shop with me. And, you know, he's got some land to go play on and we just kind of hang out and do that. And on Sundays, I try to get majority of my big stuff done on Wednesdays. And if I need to do little things here and there at night, I will. So Sunday can be a half day at the shop and half day with the family. Excuse me. The goal is here in the next two or three months, I'm going to be right out my back door again. You know, we've got, you know, the, the garage that we're getting set up. So if I need to go out to the shop, it's going to be cool. I'm going to put my, my house shoes on and I'm going to walk out to the shop. Not <laughs> let me go. Let me drive 20 minutes or 10 minutes down the road to the shop. And, you know, if something does happen, I'm here by myself, you know, right. I'm, yeah. And that, that, that is the one thing that my, that my wife does not like. She doesn't like me being out there alone because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's been a few things happen out there. So she's like, you know, Make sure you have protection if you're out there. Don't just, you know, you know, because when it's nice weather, the doors are wide open. And most people know when you're working in a shop, it's you either got loud music blaring, you got head, you got ear protection on, so I can't hear what's going on around me. Um, and a lot of stuff that I do, you know, for some people, I don't, I've never understood this, but for some reason, people love walking up behind you <laughs> when the table saw is running, the band saw is running, you're in the middle of something and they want to walk up and just stand there and just be like, and wait for you to, to stop what you're doing. And when you turn around, like I, I almost shot a guy with a nail gun one day. Like if it didn't have a safety on it, he'd have taken a Brad nail to the face. Cause <laughs> I turn around and I'm, I'm in my shop in my old garage 
and the dude's standing inside my garage with a clipboard wanting to, and I turn around and I'm like, and I, I jumped and I might have screamed like a little bitch, but you know, because I was a little, it was a little, little unnerving. And he's like, um, hi, hi, how are you? And I'm like, you can leave, walk away. <laughs> don't, don't sell me anything. Don't talk to me. Turn around, walk down my driveway, and go away. And he's like, well, no. And I was like, and I just reached, I walked behind me and just hit the garage door button. And I was like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> like God. My dad likes to do that to me when I'm running the table saw. He walks up right behind me and goes, "Yeah, what are you doing?" Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and, and my wife does it too. Like she used to do it in the in the garage all the time. Like I'd be over on the miter saw or doing something with my back to the 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 house door, and I'd turn around. And you know, my wife's this little like 110, 105 pound redhead, and so she doesn't take up a lot of room. And I turn around and I just see this shadow sitting in the back door. I'm like, "Oh crap! What, what are you doing? I've been yelling at you for five minutes and you haven't heard me." I'm like, "Loud tool, loud music, got headphones on." Um, and so I always tell her, "Like, if you need me, text me." You know, and because you know, if you got a watch on, you know, I'm, I get my text message. That that never works. I'll get 10 text messages. Well, fine. You're just ignoring me. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I work with quite a few different wood shops and I make a point to staying back at least 20 feet or so and mm -hmm. wait till they're done doing what are they doing and then they see me and then try to go and engage. And yep. Because I've seen yeah. the aftermath of a table saw kicking back a board before in high school shop class. And I, oh. I, it's like, I don't, I have good benefits through the company and I, I wouldn't mind a week or two off, but not like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I no, saw I, I saw your video, you and like you mentioned, you're moving into a new shop. You said you're gaining space, but just by the the video and the pictures you've shown, the shop you're in currently looks bigger. But you have two so, stories, is that right? Um, so originally, when I first started posting about it, the plan was we were going to have a second story. Um, fast forward to today, with um, an engineer looking at it and going, "Yeah, it's going to cost you another fifteen thousand dollars to do that." because it turns out that the floor joists that they use to frame out the attic are not adequate for more than storing stuff. Sure. So right now, so it's a, it's essentially a three car garage that we're moving into. So it's 22 by 33 feet deep. And what we're going to do, we're, we're going back and forth, whether we're going to add us, get a 10 by 14 storage building to put in the backyard to do overflow lumber storage, I'm going to have it close enough to where I can put my dust collector in there and just run a pipe through both walls or um, have a, a 10 by 22 slab poured and build a small extension onto the backside. And we're just, we're getting price. I was trying to get with a concrete guy this week to give me a quote for the slab. Cause if I can get the slab built, I'll frame the building myself. I don't care. You know, I'll do all the framing, have, you know, throw the siding on, have my buddy who owns a roofing company come throw the roof on for me real quick and be done we just got to look at funds the mm -hmm. but we've when this happened when we started looking at this house i i went in and measured out in my current shop and it actually turned out where my the way my tools are laid out now they fit they relatively fit inside my new footprint um it's just the storage that's going to be the problem sure. that was i you know according to my wife i became a hoarder you know, when I got into the bigger shop, little did you know I was already hoarding strap wood as it was because we always do that. But I started hoarding slabs. I had a local guy that he would, I, you know, he was a slab dealer. 
And anytime he had someone fall through, he would call me and offer to sell me the slabs for half the price. So I loved it when people fell through because, you know, he would go to Oklahoma, get the slabs, bring them to Texas. Well, Joe blow down the, you know, that he's taking them to decides, Oh no, I don't want to spend $200 on this slab. He calls me up and goes, Hey, I've got a $200 slab. You know, and I've got four of them. I'll sell them to you for a hundred bucks a piece. So I don't have to haul them back to Oklahoma. Cool. Show up. Let's unload them. You know, wrote a lot of checks that I didn't, shouldn't have been doing. And then your wife, wife shows up and she goes, that's a new slab. I'm like, yeah, it is. I got a really good deal on it. It was originally this price, but now I got it for this price. And then I get that. Well, you know, you could have saved even more if you, you know, no, no. (laughs) What about that purse you just bought? (laughs) (laughs) About those shoes. I believe the the term my brother uses is uh, asset rich. Whenever his my mm-hmm. sister in law brings up how much you know, well, he bought a new skid steer last year, or uh, and it's like the Cadillac model of skid steers. You know, heat, AC, heated seats, oh, sound nice. system. Yeah, it's like fuck. That's nicer than my damn car. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more expensive too. No one all does that. That it was. <laughs> those, things, those things get expensive. So on the on the business yeah. side of the house, uh, I mean, how did you learn to navigate that? I mean, you get shipping, you get if you cross states, and you get ah. different tax rates and stuff like that. I mean, Where did you did you go to anyone to help you out with that, or all self navigation? Um, I was fortunate. So the guy that um, used to train me um, used to used to own the gym that I went to all the time, and he we were both training for strongman stuff. He owning a gym and being a personal trainer he had a lot of background in that and his now wife's mother was a business owner. She used to supply um, food for all the small, all the schools around the area. And so just in talking, it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, what do I do in this case? You know, and a lot of it was, you know, just make sure you have this much money set aside at the end of the year for taxes. And since we're not an LLC, I'm still just a sole proprietorship. I just do it on my um, personal taxes. You know, I just pay it that way and be done with it. And fortunately, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, with tools and everything to break even just about every year. You know, I'd like to show a loss if I could, you know, <laughs> a little cash under the table every once in a while. Right. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and shipping wise and stuff, I've only shipped a few things there for a while. I was doing a, a Texas flag with the, the Marine Eagle Globe and Anchor in it. And I shipped about 10 of them across the country. And that I just went through Etsy. I just, I went and put a listing on Etsy and said, Hey, you know, if you want one, go, go pay for it through Etsy. Cause you know, discounted shipping, they handle all the tax stuff out of state. And that was really the only reason I ever used Etsy is just cause I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to figure that. Except for, you know, Hey, we'll just use this app. They've, they've got it set up. Somebody's already taken the time to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll use them. Yeah. I didn't make as much cause I'm not going to tell the customer, Hey, you know, I know it's only this price, but because I have to use this company, I need to add another 50 bucks on so I can make all my money. But at the end of the day, I wasn't making those to make a ton of money. Um, I was really just, just making them. I didn't, that was when I really first started. So I didn't know what I was doing. Um, at the, I just looked at, Hey, cool. You know, I covered my costs and materials, didn't cover my time because I didn't know anything about paying for time and, and labor and all that at the, at that point. You're supposed to pay um, yourself. What? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Come to find out. Yeah. Um, Damn it. 
and that that's one thing I get asked about from from people that are starting up. And so, you know, I'm trying to price stuff. How do I price it? And I've actually I had a guy build me a spreadsheet because I've got a friend that loves that. He's very analytical, and he he said, "Okay, I'm going to build you a spreadsheet so you can literally put in your material cost, your time it's going to take to build it, you know, and all your percentages." And then you can go in there and say, okay, here's your hourly. And I was like, and I kind of questioned that. I'm like, well, why do I need to worry about hourly? He goes, well, are you always going to be the one building this stuff? It's like, well, yeah, if I can. He goes, what if you have to pay somebody else? That's not free. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's myself. And he's like, you need to build in the end of your pricing as if you were paying somebody else. And in, in there, and what I didn't realize is you can, when you break it all down, that is not considered a profit. So it's not, it's tax different because it's not considered a profit because it's a cost, mm -hmm. even though you're, so I just write myself a check essentially from the business and it goes back into the business, of course, but you know, it makes a little bit extra. You know? Yeah. That's a mistake I made when I was working self-employed uh, when mm -hmm. the taxes came around and I, rather than shooting myself in the foot, I just decided it'd be a good idea to step on a landmine with that one <laughs> later. <laughs> yep. But you, so you mentioned, you know, you're making the Eagle Globe Anchor. Was that your first item that you really started selling or did you start off with something a little bit more simple? Or um, Way, way simpler. So um, the first project, so what started this all, and it's, it, it's funny, it's right on the other side of the wall of, of my office as we speak. My wife and I, when we first started dating, when she moved in, my wife's a veterinary technician. And so I have an, and I have a soft spot for poor, helpless animals and she knows it and she exploits it. <laughs> so we have three cats and three dogs. Um, I had one dog when we met and no cats. And so now you have three cats, three dogs. She comes home or she sends me a picture of this beautiful little Siamese kitten. And of course I grew up with one. I, you know, she was my favorite cat. Okay, cool. Well, I'm a sucker. So bring her home, whatever. <laughs> Well, didn't think about the fact that we also, I also had a lab who really liked kitty treats. So we needed to find a way to keep the lab from eating, you know, getting snacks from the litter box. So I just, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't even really look up ideas. I was just like, oh, I'll build her a log cabin for the litter box. And so I, I went to Home Depot and I bought like 22 by fours a can of stain or no, I think I had stain left over from a project from like five years ago, got the stain and I had this old crappy Ryobi, like 15 inch miter saw and a couple saw horses. And so we set up in the garage and we built this, you know, like three foot by two foot, you know, litter box cabin, you know, the lid opens up so she can clean the litter box out posted it on Facebook and I was like, Hey, look what, you know, I was like, this is cool. Or my wife really posted. She's like, look what BJ built, you know, for our cat. This is awesome. And then I started getting requests, you know, cause pallet wood furniture was big back then. Mm -hmm. And the lady, so my friend that's, you know, used to own the food business, you know, we were at the gym one day and she's like, Hey, um, I've got a surplus of pallets. If you want them, come get them. 
well, at the time I was driving a four door Kia Optima. So, you know, <laughs> great car for getting pallets in. Hey, I've had clients come to pick up slabs in smaller vehicles. <laughs> yeah. And I, I used, I used, you know, we loaded those two by fours in through the trunk. You know, I had them resting right up against the shifter uh-huh. in that car. You know, that's real safe. You know, thank God nobody stopped in front of us. <laughs> and, um, and I said, well, I don't, I don't have a way to get them. And she was, oh, sweetheart, don't worry about it. I'll bring them to you. You know, you're on my way home. I'll drop them off at the house. Cool. So she brings me something to kind of tinker with and then get ready for Christmas. We're at the gym again. And she's like, Hey, I need you to build me something. Okay. She was, we have a revolving Christmas tree and they have a huge family. So when all the presents show up, it blocks the tree. And this is their third one. Cause they keep burning up the motors because the, the limbs will get stuck and it can't spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's not just turn the tree off. We got to have the lights on. <laughs> so she was, I need a, I need a tree stand, you know, a, a riser, thing for my tree okay so i built you this thing out of two by fours and scrap or in out of pallet wood did that built a few more things out of pallet wood and sold those and then i got asked to do a um was it a bender fair so my buddy that owned the gym he he's like hey you know we're doing this for the city he was part of the um was it chamber of commerce for the for our local town he's i've got um i've got my booth and another booth you cover half of that booth. I can sell it to you at a discount and we'll sit beside each other really. So we can just hang out all day Saturday and just BS and, you know, whatever. And you sell some stuff that you've got and I'll sell some of my, you know, sell protein shakes and popcorn and stuff that they were selling at the gym. I was like, cool, whatever. So I had a month to get ready and I had no products. So I was like, okay, what can I sell? Well, you know, it's just a little bit after Halloween, you know, getting there. So Christmas has just happened. So we're getting into the, into the springtime. I had a folder on my computer that was nothing but jack-o'-lantern stencils. So I went, printed like 20 jack-o'-lantern stencils out between like Star Wars stuff, um, <laughs> Mario stuff. Um, my wife loves Nightmare Before Christmas. So I had a bunch of like Nightmare Before Christmas stuff print them out, glued them down to just a piece of scrap wood and took this, I had this little crappy rigid router, put an eighth inch router bit in it and just went to town, cutting out all these stencils, painted them, sold them at like 10 bucks a pop, (laughs) did that, made some other little junky things. I pretty much, I made my money back, made up and I made a bunch of flags because, you know, rustic flags are big. Um, I probably tripled my cost. Um, at the end of the day, had no business cards. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I'm, I'm brand new in this business, no business cards, but I did have a stack and I'll show you. So I still have a bunch of them left. I had a bunch, I mean, you see them, but just a bunch of these crappy vinyl cut stickers that a friend of mine made. And so I was just handing them out every time somebody bought something here, here's a sticker, here's a sticker, you know, and in the process of doing this, I actually, that day I ordered business cards from Vistaprint because I was like, oh, let's, you know, I got to have business cards, obviously, you know, let's, we're trying to make money here. Let's try to look somewhat professional. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> I've never admitted to being fully professional in my life, but, you know, we'll try. And just started getting, and a lot of it was, I got a lot, a lot of the orders I got is, hey, have you ever made this? No, no, I haven't, but I can figure it out. You know, a lot, and a lot, like my sister-in-law asked for a kitchen table, you know, and 
I made her this kitchen table with two benches for 350 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's my your, it, table Ben has. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Ben, your, your reaction to that price would be your reaction. If you saw that table now, <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing. I was a Home Depot <laughs> or Lowe's. I bought two by fours and four by fours and built this. Oh, she loves it. She absolutely raves about it. But I walk in there at, you know, we have holidays or something at her house and I'm just like, one of these days I will build you a new table because this is hideous. <laughs> but it was a, it was a learning process. You know, I used to think, Oh yeah. You know, cause you know, everybody was using pocket hole screws for everything. Yeah. Two by fours and pocket holes and a ton of glue. That's how you build a table. Mm, no, no, that's <laughs> not how you build a table. <laughs> Lo and behold, you know, little did I know. And, you know, cutting boards, you know, I had a couple orders for cutting boards. I'd never made a cutting board in my life. You know, mm-hmm. and the only sander I had was a like a ten plus year old five inch Ryobi sander, and and that was it. You know, crappy table saw. Like I'm trying to do all this stuff and just. But as I had more money, you know, hey, I got this really cool project coming up. You know, the customer agreed to pay me five hundred dollars. Cool, I'm gonna go buy a new table saw, or I'm gonna go buy this new tool. You know, and like doing all the the signs, the the hand cut, you know, routed out signs it just got to the point where, yeah, they looked okay, but I wanted them better. And I was like, you know, CNC stuff started getting big. So then I was like, all right, let's buy a CNC machine. You know, that was a, I didn't really ask for permission. I asked for forgiveness. (laughs) It's easier that way. (laughs) Yeah. I bought two CNC machines that way. This one was the cheap one. The first one was only two grand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, use that to expand my knowledge and expand my product space um and just kind of just throw, started throwing stuff out there and really enjoyed it and yeah just kept going i did i jumped into metal signs there for a little bit that was the second cnc that i bought i bought a 20 plus thousand dollar um four by eight plasma table came home and told my wife i bought that table <laughs> she, she wasn't happy <laughs> But I mean, we did have we did come to an agreement that if I couldn't make the payments on it, it goes up for sale, no questions asked. You know, if it comes to a point where I can't make, I'm not making my money, and that's what happened. I ended up, you know, the company I bought it off of, they were using it, and I just they gave me their price margin, their pricing plans, and how they did everything, and they were selling. So I just continued with their their pricing. You know, it's pretty much twenty five dollars a square foot. If I'm using a square foot of metal, this product costs you twenty five bucks, and so on and so forth. Um, making a good amount of money. I was covering my note every month and then some, and it was actually, I had, I took about four months off of woodworking just because the metal production was just so intense and I was doing so much stuff and it, I really started to not like it because metal work is gross and dirty, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it gets into everything. It ruins your clothes. It ruins your hands. And, you know, as a guy with a beard, metal slag in your beard is a horrible thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. But the money was good. I mean, it was bringing a lot of money, you know. Hey, and then I noticed it started falling off. You know, I would get quote, I would give out quotes to people, never hear anything back. And just kept on and kept on. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is weird. You know, I was just, I was killing it and 
had a mutual, had a friend call me up one day, not someone that I really hadn't talked to in a long time. And calls me up. He goes, Hey brother, um, I need to talk to you about something. I was like, what's up? He goes, um, there's a, there's a local shop to you that bought a, a plasma table. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good for them. They're advertising to meet you. I go, what do you mean? He said, they have put out that if someone brings your quote to them, they will beat it by 50%. Of course. Oh, okay. So we're going to play games. <laughs> so that's, and I, I'm not a, I'm not a petty, spiteful person. My wife could be. And so <laughs> she, she gave me some ideas and I had some ideas. So I started giving out stupid quotes. You're going to beat my price by 50%. Cool. This $200 project is now going to cost 50 bucks. Barely. <laughs> Because, I mean, when you know the material cost, and he's buying his his materials from the same place I am. Right. So I know his material costs. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you want to play this game, let's play. Let's play, buddy. And then I found out another shop was, they weren't doing the same thing. They were, you know, they were pretty competitive in the market, but he was full time. So he could churn stuff out 10 times faster than I could. And I'm actually friends with that guy now. He He builds the bases for my tables. He's a great guy. And so I hold nothing against him. He was just better place, better time. Um, but what really was the kicker is um, when I went to sell the machine, the guy that bought it, we had a gentleman's agreement. As long as he's making payments on the machine, any product that is sold off that machine, I get 100% of the profit. And it does not go towards the his cost of the machine. I cover the materials. I cover expendables, everything. And, but the deal was he could not sell product. You know, only thing he could use it for was working on his hot rods and building parts for his trucks and stuff. He was not allowed to sell product. And again, screwed myself by not having anything in writing. It was all just a gentleman's agreement. And I was told explicitly I could trust this guy. Well, he wasn't good at hiding his, his tracks. And I walked in one day and noticed um, two business signs, two businesses that I had given quotes to the negatives were leaning up against the wall. And so I asked him about it. I said, okay, well, here's the quote that I gave them for those signs. It was roughly $4,000 in, in signs. How much did they pay you for them? One of them was a local brewery. Oh, I got, um, I got two free kegs out of it. <laughs> really? Well, load those kegs up in my truck because those are mine. And, you know, and I was like, and I called him out. I said, okay, so here's the deal. You have a month. To, I think at that time he owed me 18000 on the machine. I was like, you have a month to have my money, in, that money in my hand, or I show up with a flatbed wrecker, and I take the machine. If I have to throw it in storage for six months so I can use it, I don't care. And a week later, he had a cashier's check in my hand for that money. <laughs> And so I said, cool. And I walked over to the machine. I took all of my designs, all of everything that I had that he could possibly make any money off of, copied it to my flash drive and deleted every bit of it. And I walked away. And I and that was two years ago. And I have yet to speak to him or his brother since. And I've actually seen them twice in public and I just walk away. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was, that's the, the plat, that's the metal stuff. But I just and honestly, I'm happier now because I love woodworking so much more. It just, it's so much more satisfying. You know, metal's great. If you love it, you love it. It's great. 
but to me, woodworking is so much warmer and just, you know, when you throw finish over a piece of black metal, guess what? It's a piece of black metal. You throw finish over, you know, an elm slab that may not look that beautiful. When you throw finish over and how it just pops or walnut or hickory, to me, that is the most satisfying part of woodworking. And, and my wife laughs at me. I will sit there and I'll sand everything down because I love popping the grain. And I don't do it to pop the grain. I do it because I want to see what this grain looks like. <laughs> I will soak it down and go, oh, my God, this is beautiful. And this is what it's going to look like with finish on it. And I'll just sit there and ooh and ah and everything. And, you know, eh, I'm, I'm a nerd. I, I like it. It's, you know, because no two pieces of wood are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, no two pieces out of, you know, I've got, um, I got the chance to get two walnut trees that were cut down into about 18-inch chunks and mill them into boards and they're just sitting in the shop drying no two pieces are the same throughout the same log which i love it you know and it's you know if and i i very great oh, good you know if you want to put that one more metal sign together and put that down so i can just carry that around with me for for my full-time job so i can just show people because i explain that probably a hundred times every week that no two pieces of wood are going to be the same no matter Mm-mm. what you do on the finishing side of that yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. I was talking to someone the other day. Um, someone from, from TikTok wrote me and said, you know, they were asking about um, pricing something or something. And the conversation got into dumbest things customers have ever said. <laughs> and that, that in itself is a whole nother podcast on its own. Like I've thought about starting a podcast just called dumb things customers say. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite one, I was building these shelves for this very eccentric rich guy. Like I gave him a price because I didn't want to do them. I knew they were going to be a lot of work. So I gave him, you know, what a lot of people call an FU price, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to do it, hey, I'm going to make a crap ton of money off of this. But if you don't, I'm not going to be offended because I don't want to do the work anyways. And the dude looks at me and he goes, so do you need all the cash now or do you want 50% down and 50% when it's delivered? And I just went, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. You know, $200 in materials just turned into three grand. Yay for me. I'm going to go drink now. You know, <laughs> And... He straight up, t- so he wanted these weather, he he was big into Mayan and, you know, Mesoamerica stylish styles in his house. So lots of oranges and turquoises and everything. He wanted these shelves to match this table, these two tables that he had bought from somewhere in Central America that had been through everything. I mean, the guy had a door from an from some church or something, like, and he wanted me to match these colors. And I'm like, brother... I'd love to. It's impossible. Like, I can't. I will get you close. And I probably tried 50 different paint swatches and, you know, okay, cool. We're, we're close on this swatch. But when you start the weathering process, oh. We can hear you. Don't we? Barely. Casey, you're muted. Hang on a second. My audio just cut out. There you go. There, there. Yeah, right yeah. I, uh, that got the math message. It reminds me I'm muted, which is super nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I could just hit that the button again. Yeah. Talk about uh, being professional. 
You know, Gordon, I'm trying. All right, man. <laughs> I kick. This is the first time we're doing this in a while. Right. <laughs> I got like 16 com computers over here. There's a lot of things going on. Going on. Oh, it happens. There we, oh. oh, I can hear you. Andy's back. We go. All right. Here we go. Okay. So where was I? The matching paint swatches and weathering. Okay. So, yeah, we're going through, and, you know, once I got to the, the weathering, you know, even though I had a color that matched, once I got to the weathering, it would change the color. You know, you throw stain over it, you sand it, you know, the color would change, and finally we landed on a color that was close. I was like, all right, cool, we're good. You know, and that was on these small little sample pieces that I brought in. Well, when you take these one-by-two sample pieces and blow them up into a two-foot-deep shelf, <laughs> the grain changes, and this changes. And so I get the, the, the shells together, grinding on them, doing the weathering marks, doing everything to get them close to what he had. Call him up. Hey, come by the shop. Take a look at him. He shows up, and he's looking at them, and he's walking around them. And his son's with him, and his son's just ranting and raving. Oh, these are beautiful. I love them. They're great. You did such a great job. And the guy's like, I don't like them. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. What don't you like about them? Well, is there any way that you can you can paint it and then weather it and then and do this, but I don't want to see the wood grain. Yeah, that that yeah, I'm just like oh, okay. Um and this is what my brain started hurting. I think I might have ball aneurysm. And he's like, yeah, and I just don't want to, it, it just feels too rough. Okay, well, let's see what I can do. And I went back a couple of times and I told him, I was like, dude, it's wood. It's pine, first off. Or maybe, yeah, it was pine. And I'm like, there's no way. Like, I burned it to get, you know, more grain out of it because that's what your other table looked like. Did it, and I went back and forth, and finally, I just told him, I said, look, here's the options. This is what I can do, because if, if you don't want to feel it, you don't want to see it, we're talking Ikea furniture at this point, <laughs> you know, and I, this is not what this is, you know. So, two options. We continue down the road we're going. You let me finish them. I deliver them, and we call it a day. Or we call it a day, and you don't get your deposit back. Because I have it in writing, deposits are final. Mm -hmm. You know, and he had, and this has been going on for like three months. That I, you know, I think I redid these shelves five times. So, needless to say, luckily I did get more money because if I was paying somebody, I'd have had to pay that labor and deliver them, get them set next to the table that we were matching, and the dude lost it. He's like, "Oh my god, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's perfect." It's I'm like. <laughs> it looks just like it did the first time you came and looked at it. But yeah, you know, stuff like that. It's like, I want it. And, and that being said, you know, the, the thing that I get is I want it rustic, but not rustic, but, you know, kind of, you know, you, you, can you, can you do that? Can you do rustic, rustic, but not make it rustic? And it's like, um, no, <laughs> um, I've heard Ikea and Walmart do that. And then, you know, it's like the, the epoxy tables. I, you know, when I first started posting about the big table that I just finished, 
I had a guy message me on Facebook. He's like, man, I really want one for my computer desk. You know, it needs to be six foot wide by 36 inches deep. Cool. You're probably looking at about, you know, and, and I gave him the price, you know, seven, eight grand or something when it's all said and done. It's like, depending on species of wood you want, you know, do you want lights in the table? Do you want this, this, whatever? Oh, well, you know, Home Depot sells these um, epoxy slabs that are like $400. <laughs> so I go to Home Depot. <laughs> well, so and, that, and I waited a minute because I'm thinking, okay, I, I really, I, and I'd had a few to, few drinks by that, this point, because it was later in the evening. And I'm like, I'm just in one of those moods. I'm going to be a jerk. I don't care. I've already lost the customer. So what's going to happen? I'm not going to lose them again. I said, oh, okay, um, well, where do you live at? And he told me, and he lived, you know, lives two cities over from me. And I said, cool. Um, so right off I-30, um, next to the PetSmart and the Old Navy, there's the Home Depot. They have them in stock. Have a nice night. And his response back was, you really just, you don't want me as a customer? I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I said, my materials are alone alone are three times or four times the cost of one of their not even real epoxy tables. Like, sorry, dude, like it's not worth my time. And I've gotten that a lot. You know, why can't you do it for this price? Or, you know, can you build it this way? No, I'm not. I'm not Ikea. I'm not Walmart. I'm not, you know, this. And yeah, when I first started, I was cheap because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I try to catch these, these small up and coming shops that are charging bare bones for stuff. And it's like, guys, gals, you, you're not even covering, you're barely covering your materials. You know, materials plus 10, 10% is not gonna make a business, unless that's what you're looking for. But you're doing that is hurting other makers. Everybody. You know, sitting there and, you know, I don't know if y'all follow me on, on Instagram, but I, I, I think it was Friday, I posted something in my story because I was, I'd saw a post on Facebook and I just gotten off a, a business meeting with my boss and, you know, we kind of got our butts chewed. And so I was already in a mood and <laughs> I saw something that Home Depot was selling these fake live edge slabs. And yeah, it was a little, little terse on my comment, you know, something about a handsaw and a, you know, a body cavity or something, but you know, <laughs> it's just, and it's, that's what kills me. You know, and I know I'm never going to make, a million dollars. I'm never going to be the Blackwood studio or whatever that place in Canada is. I'm, I'm not going to be those guys, but I don't, I'm tired of losing business to home, the home depots of the world, the Walmarts, the Ikea of the world and getting those customers that are just like, Oh, well, I can go buy it here for cheaper. Cool. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Have a nice day. That's a, yeah. I don't ever understand customers like that. Like if you know, you can have a, a get it cheaper. Why are we talking period? Yeah. Why are like, why are you wasting your time, let alone mine? It, you know, I've gotten to the point now, if I get a message, hey, I saw this on Etsy, but I'd like to buy local. No, mm -mm. <laughs> not worth my time. And I, I will just write back and go, I appreciate it. Um, at this time, I'm too busy to take on this job. Sorry. Because yeah. one, I'll never touch that price. You know, and it's just, you know, no, I'll build it for myself. Yeah, I've built myself tons of Pinterest projects. I don't like building for other people. You know, it's just, yeah, it just, it kills me. Uh, and I, I yeah, know I'm guilty of it, of asking Ben to make something for me and pay him an exposure. Do you get a lot of that? I've seen you, you know, do some signs and stuff for businesses in your area. 
Um, yeah, so I did one for my local barbershop when they first opened and, you know, did a, you know, he paid me for it. He paid me good money for it, but it was also, you know, he, I gave him a flag that hangs, you know, big, you know, like five foot long American flag, you know, with his logo cut into the union that I sold it to him for next to nothing. I think I covered the materials, but it's got my sticker on it. You know, he's got a stack of my cards on it. He tells everybody, you know, where I can get, you know, where they can get something like that. Um, I made him a chessboard or chess or checkerboard and the pieces have my logo on one side and his logo on the other Hmm. and his logo cut and engraved into the, the board itself. I got a year's worth of haircuts for free out of that board, you know, and at 25, 20, 25 bucks a pop that, that, you know, that came out pretty good. I mean, I was getting my haircut twice a month, you know, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, he regretted it, but, <laughs> um, and I've, I've done that. Like my buddy's gym, you know, I very, you know, I made him a sign the night before a vendor fair, you know, we sat there hand drew it cause we didn't have the way to blow his logo up as big as we wanted hand drew it on a piece of plywood, cut it out with a hand router. He came over and helped me, you know, got it done, you know, within a couple hours, you know, I think we're done by one o'clock in the morning, went to sleep, woke up at six to get ready for the vendor fair. And everybody like he talked to, he's like, Oh yeah. you know, this sign that right here, you know, my buddy next to me right here, he's the one that made that sign. He can hook you up, you know, everything. And, you know, he paid me a hundred bucks for it. At the end of the day, he gave me a tumbler with his logo on it with a hundred dollar bill in it. I'm like, dude, no, you don't, you don't have to pay me for that. I'm, it's a friend helping a friend out. Like I barely pay a dime when you look at it for my gym membership. You know, I don't, I pay costs for my, you know, my supplements. I'm like, no, you don't got to pay me anything. He's like, Nope, that's what friends do. And it's like, you know, and, and I literally turned around and said, okay, here's a hundred dollars. I need a hundred dollars worth of, you know, protein popcorn and this and this and this is I'm gonna put it right back into your business. And, you know, but I've gotten a few um, from Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Hey, can you make me this? And I'll, I'll do this for you. And I've got a group on Instagram. Um, it's, it's just a group of woodworkers that are all trying to help each other out. Um, and one of the, you know, two of them have their own podcast. So that's kind of where the, their group came to be is, you know, if you're a fan of the podcast, you, you know, the early adopters to the podcast got to be in this group. And so, you know, if you get something like that, you kind of throw it out to the group and go, hey, this person wrote me. They want me to do this for them. What do y'all think? Oh, yeah, I've dealt with them too. Yeah, don't trust them. You know, <laughs> or, you know, yeah, I did, you know, one of the guys is like, yeah, I did something for that. And they had messaged him. He does laser stuff. He made them a sign. They promised all this stuff. You know, the guy's like got a million followers on YouTube. All he got is he's in the background of his videos. He never got the shout out. He never got any of the clout that he was promised. None of that. I'm like, Oh yeah, this guy wrote me and asked me if I'd build him a cutting board with his logo in it. He goes, um, and he's like, but he'll, he'll show it off and everything. He goes, yeah, don't waste your time. Delete the email. He, this is what he did to me. And he, he even showed me the email thread to prove it. He's like, this is what happened. And so a lot of them, I just don't mess with it. The one I did do. And I offered, the the guy never wrote me never called never did anything um he's a local fisherman um it's a group called the guggen squad and they're big you know they they launched a big fishing thing down here in texas and the guy actually grew up 
right down the road from where I grew up at. So he's a small town boy, you know, went to Texas A&M, you know, really good guy and been watching for years. And he had gone through some stuff, you know, had a brain tumor, recovered. And, you know, so he was, they were one of the YouTube channels that my wife and kids and I could all watch together because it was very family oriented and we liked the fish and stuff. And they got chickens and they put in one of their family videos, you know, hey, if, you know, anybody knows anybody that makes signs, we'd like to get a sign for our chicken coop. And I just happened to have a mutual friend on Instagram that seen him at his shop one day, you know, on a, in a post. And so I messaged the second, you know, I saw the video, I messaged this guy, Hey, tell Justin to call me, you know, I want to make him a sign you know, it's, you know, anniversary present for whatever you want to call it. I want to make this for him. Got to meet him. And I never asked for anything in return. It was just, Hey, I want to give you this sign. It was when I was still doing the metal stuff. You design it. I'm going to take the time to come up with exactly what you want, but I want nothing out of it. And he writes me back and he goes, okay, cool. He goes, so we're going to do a YouTube video about it. Um, I want to talk to you about it. You know, come meet you, do all this stuff. Um, and I'm going to make it a point to whenever I'm out there, it gets shown. And I'm going to tag you anytime it's in a video, I'm going to tag your, your Instagram and business page in the, in the show notes. And to this day, and it's been over two years ago, to this day, every single one of his videos that my sign shows up in, and I always know when it does. Cause I will get a random five or six fishermen following my, following me on Instagram. And I'm like, bass, Matt, what? I don't know. <laughs> and it's, and I'll go and look at one of his videos and there it is. He'll, my little info, my tag tags right there in his, you know, in his info stuff. And it's like, man, the, nice. That's it, a good, you know, it's just good old boy, but mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've kind of gotten away from the, you know, oh, I want something free. Can you do something free? And I'll shout your name out. Mm, no, <laughs> not really. I'm, I don't have the time. If I was a hobbyist woodworker, maybe, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have the time to do it. See, I think I'll start doing that next year with Ben, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and Casey. Yeah, right with those walnut slabs that you want, uh, Gordon. It's Sunday. For that, my first yeah. paycheck, check, Gordon, I don't know. I gave you a bottle of bourbon. I don't see what the issue is. <laughs> I heard we're sponsored now. That means we get paid, right? That's uh, in the works. No. <laughs> I don't know about this we thing. You haven't been here in damn near a year. We. <laughs> hey, man. But, stuff going on. <laughs> I just wanted to, I want to go back to the epoxy table. That's how I found you uh, over TikTok okay. of that just a monster of a, was it 10 feet you said? <laughs> Right at 10 feet and a little over 30 inches wide. Gross. Um, and three and a half inches thick. That's heavy. <laughs> My back <Yeah>. hurts. <laughs> it is, uh, we don't have an exact weight on it, but we estimated so 12 gallons of epoxy. And yeah, I think epoxy is about 20 pounds a gallon. And then um, two or one white oak slab that was split down, or I guess it's white oak. It's oak. We'll just say it's oak split down the middle. So we're estimating five to 600 pounds and two of us can move it. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. <laughs> um, and I mean, and I'm, I, I'm used to be a pretty big bodybuilder and I used to work out all the time and haven't in the last couple of years, but yeah, it's, it's stout. Like we picked it up Saturday to move it and Mind you, and it's funny, I, when you, you did my intro and you said the sunny state of, you know, Texas, it was um, 28 degrees yesterday morning, and it <laughs> snowed here today. 
So yeah, we're moving this table in the in the cold, barely feel our fingers trying to pick this monstrosity up. And we're just both of us, we looked at each other dead in the eye. It's like, and I told him, I said, if it starts to go, it goes. There's no stopping this thing. You know, don't try to catch it because we're gonna blow a leg out. You know, just let it go. We can fix it. And he looks at me, he goes, No, we're and this is the customer, mind you. This is the guy who paid for this table who's helped me move it. He goes, I'll I'll end up underneath it. I'll sacrifice myself. <laughs> and we got it, finally got it in and got it delivered. But yeah, it is. When we first pulled it out of the mold, I had five guys, you know, fairly large individuals there to demold this thing, to get it, to break the, the vacuum seal from the bottom mold. And that time it was like, man, this everybody's going, man, this thing's really light. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's five, you know, 200 plus pound pound guys picking this table up. It get, It's light. Mm-hmm. And then we went to move it a couple of weeks later, went to flip it. And it was just me and, and the guy that bought it. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's not as light as I remember. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, my poor little Harbor freight saw or saw horses were, they, they held through the, the test of time though. I'll give them that. But, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, it was a fun one. Um, it was a challenge. It was the, that is, at this point, the biggest epoxy table that I've ever made. That's the most epoxy I've poured at one time, you know, s- since I've started this. Nice. And How did you get into the epoxy tables? I, I never really thought too much of it until I saw Ben start to play around with it. Um, it uh, started which... just, I was watching YouTube and saw some guys, you know, doing some stuff. And I had my CNC doing engraving. And I was like, oh, I'll do some engravings and I'll fill them with epoxy. I don't know what I'm doing, but what's the worst that can happen? You know, I waste a you know, a couple dollars of epoxy and, you know, I, I ruined a few things. I've ruined a couple hundred dollars in epoxy because turns out that stuff's not as cheap as you would think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, developed a pretty good relationship with an epoxy company, but what really got me into this stuff, there was a, a local woodworker meetup a couple years ago, or a little over a year ago. And this guy was supposedly like the epoxy board guru. Like all he did were these epoxy charcuterie boards. So we show up, we all kind of run out to a shop, we're hanging out and we're just, we literally talked about epoxy and ways to cut wood in different ways. I learned stuff that I never knew. You know, as far as I was concerned, this guy was a professional woodworker. You know, he's some dude from Hawaii that moved to Texas that just got into making random epoxy boards. John Graff. Yeah, yeah, John. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I know John, John. John's John's my buddy, man. He lives like 10, 10, 15 minutes away from me. He's awesome. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna try this. And I was one of the last ones to leave that night. And he looks at me and the other guy that are leaving. He goes, Well, y'all really want to get into these epoxy boards? I'm like, shit, yeah, come on. Um his business is nuts. Yeah, well, he does the molds now. He's pretty much only making molds. Yep. Um and I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. I want to try it. He goes, okay. He goes, well, here's my epoxy company that I deal with, you know, super clear epoxy. Um, and this, he goes, go get, go to them. They'll, they'll hook you up with some, with a discount. Oh, cool. Um, oh, here, here's a couple molds. Just take them. I've got plenty of them. So the dude, and I still have those two molds that he gave me. And I asked him, I was like, you want them back? And he's like, no, no, I don't need them. You know, cause mm-hmm. he's got the nice HDPE molds and yep. I'm like, I'm like, you know, so I tried it first one I did and I had this really weird idea because uh, this was about Halloween time. It's funny. A lot of my stories come around Halloween. <laughs> I'm a big Halloween fan. 
Um, so we, we decorate almost as much for, you know, Halloween as we do for Christmas. Um, but I had, I had made these charcuterie boards that looked like a hatchet. I was just bored one day and had some extra strap wood. So I was like, oh, I'll make a hatchet charcuterie board. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could um, take one of the edges and do like a blood drip on it? So it looked like it was, you know, something someone had, you know, like a meat cleaver, you know, someone had taken somebody out with it. And so he said, like, yeah, sure, do this. So I did a bunch of research, found this blood red epoxy pigment. It's actually called fire truck. So it looks, and it's the same color as a fire truck didn't know how to mix it ended up having to do like five pours because i kept mixing like 10 ounces at a time because i'm so scared i just spent like a hundred dollars on this epoxy i don't want to ruin it <laughs> i'm pouring this little bit at a time and every time instead of just doing like a tiny little scoop of pigment i'm doing like a half teaspoon of pigment in <laughs> 10 ounces of epoxy <laughs> when you when i say it was blood like you can take a high power flashlight put it on the backside, and you barely see through it it is how thick <laughs> and there's a nice like eighth inch line across the bottom of just pigment that has settled out and i'm like oh but it looks cool mm. and, and it's actually one that my wife kept she still has it and she uses it and it's it's called the blood board because it looks like blood, a blood river flowing through. Nice. And, you know, that turned into, you know, that was one board. And it turned into 10 boards and then 20. And I think I've done maybe 40 or 50 boards. May, well, maybe more than that. And I've lost count at this point. Um, every single one different. I've got one guy. Um, I've got a lawyer buddy that every year for Christmas, he'll order five or six boards. And he'll, he'll want one specific color every board the exact same color just you know different wood mm -hmm. and you know i churn them out and he covers my kids christmas every year nice my tool christmas because you know you know and i take care of him because he's a buddy of mine and then just you know randomly one day and so the big table what started it is so my buddy mike he's the one that bought the table his a, another guy that we're mutual friends with um <coughs> army vet him and i've done some and some shooting instructions so I'll, I'll help him at, at the range every once in a while and just hang out and drink whiskey and smoke cigars every once in a while he calls me up and he's like hey you're really good at this epoxy stuff right i'm like i know like <laughs> i know how not to ruin it if that's what you're asking you know but i'm by no means an expert he's like well you know the boss bought this slab and he wants to pour an epoxy table okay cool He's like, come and give me some advice. So I show up, and when I walk into the their shop where they've got it set up, I looked at him and said, so here's my advice. You bring all this stuff to my shop. Y'all stop because you're going to ruin this beautiful slab, <laughs> which they already butchered trying to cut in half. And they bought, I forget even, it's like Pro Marine Epoxy, and it was the tabletop epoxy. Um, bought three gallons of it to fill up a almost, oh yeah that, that'll do yeah almost 12 inch wide by three inch deep you know river <laughs> we're good to go and i was like and i told him i said you were probably looking at 12 1400 in epoxy next thing i know i've got that in my account he's like here's the money for the epoxy i was like okay you know well you know it's supposed to be you know a table for you know a bunch of vets to hang out at let's throw some shell casings in it oh yeah it sounds like a good idea but yeah man i just i don't 
have a ton of extra shell casings laying around. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Two days later, I've got two five-gallon buckets of shell casings sitting at my shop door. <laughs> and just, it's like, all right, cool. So we're we're doing this. And mm. he's like, yeah. And, and Mike, he's a great guy, but he's a very impatient guy. It is, you know, he expected that table to be done three days after they dropped off the slabs. <laughs> That's not how this works, you know epoxy takes time you know i want this done right and my thing is is if we're going to advertise these tables to sell them and this table is going to sit you know if y'all saw the picture the room it's sitting in that is when you walk in the door to his business that is the first thing you see when you walk into his business and my name's on it and i told him it's like it is going to be perfect and i i sanded i did so many things to get it just right and to me, it's still not perfect. It will never be perfect just because I'm that OCD about it. And to him, it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. You know, I have to give him a hard time because I think he's half blind, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, we're, we're all over critical on our own products than, mm-hmm. the, than anybody else. But yeah, that was, you know, I and I've done other tables. Like I've done just regular kitchen tables, you know, done them the right way over the years. But that was the biggest the epoxy table. And that really came from just my knowledge of, hey, you know, I've done all these other pours. I have an idea of what's going to happen. I used a lot of resources. I was texting John every couple of days. Hey, what do you think about this? I was texting the rep from Superclear. You know, what? here's the plan. What are we doing? And he was kind enough since it was, you know, a veteran-owned company, you know, and this was really a gift for me to do this for him. I didn't really make a dime off of it. You know, he hooked us up with the discount on epoxy to, you know, and it, I told him, I said, look, I'm probably going to ruin it. So if you can help a brother out and if I do ruin it, I ruin it, you know, we'll start over. And fortunately, you know, had one pour with some bubbles in it and I was able to drill them out, you know, cause it was a mid-level pour, you know, I, and Anybody listen to this that's wanting to pour anything with bullet casings in it, fill the casings with epoxy prior to putting them in epoxy. They will bubble. Um, and that's what happened. I came back two days later and I had about 40 bubbles sitting right there under the surface of the epoxy. So just enough to where I had to get the Dremel tool out and, and drill them out. And I mean, they you can't see. Them. There's one that I, I see just because it's you my table. I built the table. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the naked eye, like you'll never see it. And, you know, you got that one bullet casing that's cut in half at the end of the table that, you know, just kind of been a conversation starter about it. But, you know, it's, it's just like anything else I've ever done. I'm either going to do it right or I'm going to screw it up and try it again. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, second times, second, third, fourth, fifth times a charm. You know, I've... I've filled up a, a fire pit many a times with <laughs> oh craps, you know, mm-hmm, or that didn't, mm-hmm. that didn't go as planned. Yeah, and as I mean, Ben yeah, was course, alluding sorry. to earlier, my hope and goal is to have my own house, but I'd like to do a 12 to 14 foot bar top, like oh. out of ideally black walnut, but have, you know, just something pretty rough shape, but then fill that in with an epoxy to level. This is also the human being who's asked me to stain black walnut. Not not stain stain. It's it's mm-hmm. yes. 
can you make it darker and and you're still friends with him (laughs) he lives really far away i don't have to see him that often it's hard (laughs) (laughs) this is why i bring people bourbon on a regular basis (laughs) i have not received bourbon uh it's in the mail Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that it's not stains it's i have the i work with coatings professionally so i know what i want and i'll do it and then i'll just hand it over to ben and he can do the epoxy side <laughs> so, because i'm not getting into that but just curious so you got six years or so now under the belt um four years officially since the company's established but yeah about um that's a lifetime of working but yeah about six years since our first official project i guess yeah. so, what, have, yeah. what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome um my own anxiety in some places just um getting out there talking to people pushing my name out there i'm really great behind a camera and i've had to i say that i used to not be great um i've honestly just kind of taken to the fact that like with tiktok and stuff i just start blabbling blabbing and just act a fool whatever and apparently it's working you know i'm doing something right on there i don't know what i'm doing but i'm doing something right um and but i'm i've gone to the networking meetings and i'm the guy like i'll sit in the back corner somebody wants to talk about me or force me out on the floor i'll talk but i'm it's weird like if i'm out with my wife i'm out there in the middle and i'll talk to everybody or if i'm in my day job I will talk your ear off because I'm in my element and it's weird. If it's the woodworking stuff and I'm out doing a networking event, I don't, I don't. And my wife gives me a hard time about it (laughs) because she's like, you're, you're a social butterfly. You talk to everybody. I know, but I can it's weird. I can sell a product for somebody else all day long because I know that product inside and out. I've lived the, the, you know, telecom for 20 years, but selling myself on a woodworking project to someone that hadn't already reached out to me is hard. And I've tried, I've done it. Like I've, I've, you know, grown a pair real quick. And at a, I was in the middle of a Kroger and these people were looking at these crappy little charcuterie boards and just jokingly, I was like, Hey, do you want something that's going to last forever? And they look at me like I'm the biggest idiot in the world. And I'm like, uh, uh, and my wife's just kind of staring at me like, what are you doing? And so I pull out a card and I'm like, here, um, you, you can, you can call me. Uh, here's my card. And I'm just like, fuck, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, okay. You blithering idiot. Like what the, but then again, but you know, it's like, it's weird. Just, <sighs> Wait, what was the what was the question again? I, I totally got them off t- on no, my tangent. Uh, biggest challenges. Oh, biggest challenges. Okay, um, there for a while, my biggest challenge was saying no. Every time somebody said, "Hey, can you build this?" Yeah, yeah, I can't. Can you build this? Yeah, I can't. Can you? And it's like it, I look down one day and I'm four months behind on projects, and I'm getting blown up by these people going, "Hey, I've already paid you. What's going on?" What and it's like, and I told him, I said, Hey, I got myself in too deep. I'm sorry. I'm getting to this as fast as I can, you know. And and I try to preface preface it with every customer. Hey, I am a part timer. I work I work a forty hour work week, so I might not get a day in a sh- in the shop for a week. You know, I built. A, I'm still finishing up 
a ceiling mounted train kit for a guy. This would be like 16 feet by nine feet, you know, bridges and, and turns and all this stuff. He put the deposit down on it in February of 2019. I delivered it the week before Christmas and it's still sitting in the floor of the room that it's going to be hung in because I haven't had a chance to go and re and finish it because the day that I went to hang it, you know, there was the original deal was he was going to help me Well, he was out of town. And so it's just, you know, stuff like that, getting it over my head saying, yeah, sure. I can do this when really at the end of the day, it's, you know, yeah, I don't have the time to do this. You know, it's the money, the money's not worth it at this point. Like, what am I doing? And then just, you know, I think a lot of that also, the reason I do it is I like learning new things. So when someone called messaged me and says, Hey, can you do this? And it's something I've never done. Yes, I can do it. Now there's come a lot in lately in the last year or so I'll get messaged. Hey, can you do this? No, no, I can't Mm -mm. because I've done it and I hated every second of it and I never want to do it again. You know, but you want this, I'll do this for you. You know, and it's just, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. On the yeah. flip side of that, then what's been some of the greatest rewards that have, that you found? Um, aside from just the woodworking side, the networking too. And it's funny, I just said, I hate the networking side, but the wood, you know, the, the woodworking community, in my personal opinion, aside from, I will say the weightlifting community that I used to be a part of because they were very family friendly and um, everybody was just a big family and we took care of each other. You know, there was no, it didn't care, you know, who walked in the gym, everybody was treated the same. You know, I wasn't the biggest guy in the gym. There was other things that girls outlifted me in at the gym. We all just had fun. And I know the full, the, all the whole weightworking weightlifting community is not like that, but the community that I was in was great. But the woodworking community, in my opinion, yeah, there's some negative Nancy's out there. And I've called some people out and I I don't put up with a lot of it. Um, but for the most part, 95% of the people in the woodworking community are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. And all of them, how can I help you? You know, and I've had people message me, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you know, whatever. Hey, I hate to ask you this because I know a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, can I ask you how you would do this? Man, yeah, sure. Come on, let's do this. Let me, yeah, let me help you out. Oh, well, you know, and I've had people say, well, I've asked other people and they just shut me down. Okay, cool. That's them. I'm, I'm here to help. One, you're not in my backyard. You're not going to, you're not stealing my customer base. So I don't care. And even if you were, and I've had other, I've got three local woodworkers that come to my shop to have stuff done, whether it be CNC engraving, you know, I've got one of the, you know, out of the three, I'm the only one with the drum sander. So they, you know, and they're just, and they all, they'll pay me. And I usually charge them 20 bucks a job. You know, you want me to cut something for you? It's 20 bucks. You want to run something through my drum sander? You know, it's 20 bucks, you know, little things like that. But and even like you said, you know, Bill, you know, you know, John, mm-hmm. the dude helps everybody. He everybody <laughs> like I have seen his Instagram messaging like it's constant. And like the people that message him and just, you know, they 
the questions he answers and, you know, the other friends that I made, you know, the, the, the internet friends that I've made, everybody's willing to help. And yeah, there's, there are those few that are just like, Nope, this is my secret. I'm not going to tell you, well, okay, cool. You've got that secret. I'm a halfway intelligent individual. I can probably figure out how you're doing this. And I'm pretty sure you didn't invent this prod process. <laughs> so there's somebody else that's done something close, but if you're going to be that way, you know, okay, fine, whatever. I don't want, I don't want you in my family, you know, whatever, you know, and there's some individuals that, you know, if your opinion doesn't match them, their recourse is to delete your message and block you from their page. <laughs> Just because I have a different opinion on how something should be done. Cool. Whatever. I don't, I'm not that sensitive. I've been called out on stuff that I've done. Well, why would you do that? Cause that's how I did it. You know, this is what works for me, but just everybody's here to help each other out. You know, it doesn't matter. I talk to people that are, you know, I talked to, you know, one of the guys, you know, there was a name. Um, why did I just go blank on his name? Bob from, I like to make stuff. Mm -hmm. I've talked to him before. I've talked to Josh that works for him. You know, I've had the chance to talk to, you know, couple other big YouTubers that are just these gods in the woodworking community. They're just like we are. They're a bunch of goobers building stuff with wood <laughs> that yeah, had the chance to get out there in the YouTube world and the Instagram world and make a big name for themselves. But they all have the same goal in mind. How can I help out, help somebody else do this? You know, and I love seeing that. And mm -hmm. that is the biggest part. And, you know, I've got to learn a lot. I've got a really cool collection of tools now. It actually kind of made me feel good. Um, my dad called me one day and my dad, you know, he's, he's kind of been my guiding light in a lot of this stuff. He, you know, he's the reason I am who I am. He called me up one day because he's like, Hey, I'm looking to get in a table saw. What's your advice? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you're, you're calling me for tool advice huh? Like, no, some, something's not right here. And then like a couple of weeks ago, he was calling me, um, they're building a, a cabin up in Northern Colorado. And he's asking me all these questions about building the table and everything. And I'm like, why are you asking me this stuff? Like you're a smart guy. I mean, dude's the freaking, he's got two, like two master's degrees, worked for defense contract. Dude's a genius. I'm like you're asking me. And he's like, Oh, I just wanted to talk to you about it because I'm going to have you build it and drive it to Colorado for me. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. He's like, I know I can build it. He goes, but why would I build it when my son builds tables and I'll just have him build it? And it gives you an excuse to come up to the cabin. Mm -hmm. I, I like that, that answer. And it's just, you know, <laughs> and to me, it was just kind of a turn. It's like, wait a second. The man who I used to call all the time and go, hey, dad, how do I do this? Hey, how do I do this? You know, what would be the right thing to do here? And there's still other things like, you know, I still call dad and go, Hey, um, got the situation. You know, you're a little more calmer than I am sometimes. What would you do here? But to have my dad call me and go, Hey, I'm looking at buying this tool. What do you think? Or to have my little brother call me and go, Hey, um, I'm remodeling my house. How would you do this? I would find somebody that remodels houses for a living and call them because I, the remodeling experience <laughs> when I was in high school with my dad and my brother remodeling an old farmhouse, you know, you know, and it's just, you know, stuff like that. You know, it's, that's what I love about it. Well, nice question for you for uh, anyone listening that's looking to start up their own shop or business. What kind of advice would you offer to them? <sighs> start cheap. 
go to garage sales, buy tools. Um, you don't need a $3,000 saw stop sitting in your shop. You don't. You don't need a $1,000 bandsaw or $2,000 bandsaw. You don't need a CNC machine. Um, I've had people come into my shop and go, wow, I want everything, every single thing in here, but I don't know what I'm doing. Go to a garage sale, buy tools. Because that's what I did. My first project, I had enough money out of the pay, the, out of what they were paying me for this project. Um, there was a guy down the road that would buy the um, return pallets from Home Depot. And he had built them up a little store. So he was selling them like 50% off of Home Depot prices. I went in and I negotiated with him. I got a, and it was a horrible, horrible table saw, a Ryobi contractor saw or table saw, um, Ryobi band saw and the Ryobi sliding miter saw, which out of the three was the most high end tool in that bunch. Cause I already had some DeWalt drill drills that I'd had for years. Um, I paid a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, maybe for all three of them came home. All right, cool. I need somewhere to put them, you know, cause we still parked our cars in the garage at the time. I spent another hundred or 50 bucks on a, and building a workbench that all three of those tools bolted to, <laughs> and it had wheels on it. And it was the first time I ever went to Rockler woodworking, went there to get their pop-up casters so I could roll this table out of the way. So my, you know, and yeah, that, I spent, like I said, maybe 250 bucks on my first shop setup, And that was it. And just over time, you know, I was able to, oh, hey, this job's going to pay. And, you know, I made the joke earlier, oh, this job's paying 500 bucks. I can go buy this better table saw. And that's what it was. I was actually, I went to Home Depot to get a new table saw blade because this, the blade I had was the original Ryobi blade that came with the saw when I bought it. And it was junk walk in and I see they're running a sale on the rigid, the big, the bigger rigid saw for like 500 bucks. Cool. Dumb. You know, I just bought a new truck, so it's going to fit great in the back of my truck. <laughs> and I showed up and my wife's like, you, you bought a table saw. I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I said, like, yeah, you know how we put it together? No, I'm going to have fun. You know, and so instead of working on projects that day, I put a table saw together. So, you know, good planning, but that's, you know, and don't, I think the biggest thing for me that have that I wish the advice, I would have been given this advice from the beginning. You're going to get frustrated. You're, you're going to fail. Failure is just a name of the game, you know, and I'm, I'm one, I don't like failure back when I was, you know, lifting a lot more, um, I had a goal on my deadlift, you know, I'm a big dude and I had a goal. This is what I want to do. I've never been good at deadlifting. You know, I had a horrible lifting coach in high school that almost wrecked my back and pretty much wrecked a shoulder because he taught us the wrong way to lift and getting with a good trainer that taught me the right ways to do it. I was like, okay, you know, here's, you know, I told him, I said, okay, I want to be able to do, you know, deadlift 250 pounds whatever, never deadlifting, not knowing what I can do. I blew that out of the water quick. Okay, cool. Well, I want to double it. I want to do 500 pounds. And of course, you know, my trainer's like, no, you need to step back. <laughs> so I, I kept having these, and I never officially hit my full, my total number. And I was so like, I would fail at that and get so mad at myself. I wouldn't show up in the gym for a week because I just, it, it messed up my psyche. Or if I did go work out, my workouts were horrible. 
just because my brain was out of it. And it was the same thing with the woodworking. I would get out there and do something, a simple thing, something that, you know, I've seen, and, and it's sad, you know, and you look at it, you know, something you see someone on YouTube do a thousand times and they do it right. Well, you also don't realize they have this thing called a video editor <laughs> where they can edit out the screw ups mm -hmm. and they show you when they do it right. You know, lo and behold, they're not all expert woodworkers. And I get, I'd screw something up and I would just get frustrated. And I mean, I stuck a screwdriver through a wall one day, chunked it. I was pissed, you know, and then walked out of the shop. It's like, you know, okay, I'm going to stop, come back a couple of days later and walk back in. It's like, yeah, that was all my fault. I just wasn't paying attention. You know, I wasn't, you know, should have been doing this instead of doing this. But I've never really had anybody go, look, you're going to fail. And, you know, I've, I've had the, you know, the, the, you know, my dad and other people are going, look, life is, life is going to suck. You're going to fail at life, you know, and I've had a lot of failures in my life, but woodworking is a passion of mine. It's something I love, something that makes me happy. You know, I can be stressed out and mad at the world and go step in my shop and go, oh, okay, uh, I'm a happy guy. You know, this is great. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to build something, mm -hmm. but to, to screw up at something or to promise something to somebody and not be able to deliver it in that. And it just, it, it tore me up. And there was times, and, and my wife knows that we had a lot of conversations about it. There was a good six month period where I was going to walk away from it. I was going to put everything up for sale and just walk away. I was gonna be done with it. You know, I would keep a few little tools just for house projects, but the majority of the shop was going to get sold just because I couldn't handle the stress anymore. And so I took like two months off. I didn't walk into my shop for two months, you know, and that's crazy thing because it's attached. It was attached to my house at the time. <laughs> you know, you know, I didn't go out there for anything for almost two months. And then finally one day I was like, okay. And, and I had no projects to get done. I had no, no orders. Went out there one day and it's like, okay, let me just build something. And I made a charcuterie board, you know, glued a couple pieces of maple together, cut a handle into it and called it a day, you know? And I was just like, yeah, shit's easy. <laughs> I was wrong, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, and it's just, it's, but yeah, if that's the biggest thing, you know, the two biggest parts of it for people start small because you might hate it. You know, you might watch all these videos and think this is great. And you go spend $10,000 in tools. And if you got the money to go do that, cool. Call me up. I will help you build your shop. And look, hopefully you'll be close enough to me and I can come play with those tools too. <laughs> um, but yeah, you don't, you know, you go and look, there's videos all over YouTube, you know, start a shop for 500 bucks, start a shop for a thousand bucks. Realistically, you shouldn't need to spend more than 500 bucks to start a shop. Get some good, get a good set of drills and don't, don't worry about the color of the tool. I, I like DeWalt. I have DeWalt and rigid drills in my, in my shop. Mm -hmm. They're good. My day to days are my DeWalt's because they're light and they work. If I really need to tear something up, I grab my rigid drills. You know, they were cheap, but the green tools not the festival green, the other green, you know, <laughs> God, we all, you know, we all want festival, but you know, go get the Riley yeah, tools. See ben? ben festival. Good. 
Go away, Gordon. <laughs> I, uh, there is a festal domino in my future. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 an amazing tool when you have the need for it. But yeah. people fall into you know to your point, people fall into the trap like, oh, I can't make big tables unless I have a thousand dollar domino. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I've every table I've built since then has been with a with a after coupon a twenty dollar Harbor Freight biscuit joiner. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It works fine. The yep. dust collection sucks on it because it mm-hmm. doesn't have dust collection, but it works great. And my right. wife bought it for me for after coupon, like I said, for like 20, 25 bucks. And it works fine. It's loud. It's obnoxious. It, I swear the thing's going to kill me one day just because it sounds like a, <laughs> a little, you know, honey badger like, yeah. rip you apart. But I mean, and then I mean, you can do the same thing with a certain bit on a router. Mm-hmm. You don't need... Or a, a um, what are they? A dowling jig. Yep. No, you, no, you don't need a domino. Some of the projects that I want to do for myself in the future would a domino make it better? Yes. Could I also learn how to just cut mortise and tenon joinery? Yeah, I could, but I'm also kind of lazy and I don't want to have to do that. You know, should I? Yes, as a woodworker, I should be able to do it, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> You'll spend fifteen hundred dollars on a domino and call it a day. <laughs> but no, it's you know, I see it. You know, Ben, you probably see it too in the woodworking community. The people that bash on Ryobi tools, you know, because they're, oh, they're crap. They're junk. I know guys that have had the same Ryobi tools for 10 years and they still run perfectly. Yep. Are they the most accurate? No. That sliding miter saw that I had, it couldn't cut a 90 degree angle to save its life. (laughs) I mean, God, it was horrible. (laughs) But it wasn't used for that. It was used to break down rough lumber. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. That's that's exactly it. It's knowing knowing what your tools are going to be used for yeah. and what they need to be like do you need a super super precise saw to break down a rough lumber no yeah. if you're going to do finish work if you're going to do your mortise and tenons but if you've got a decent table saw and a miter sled you can do a lot there was <clears> actually yeah. a point when i was in my garage because i wanted the extra space i was contemplating selling my miter saw and expanding that to something else and just building a couple different miter sleds Mm-hmm. and just using that because at the end of the day that's really all you need um and that's why i appreciate a lot of you know like the the bob you know bob from i like to make stuff you know mm-hmm. david from making it um which he's another great guy i've talked to him a few times and dude's a hilarious hilarious guy but they take the time to go look you can build it this way you can build it with the ten thousand dollar cnc machine or you can go get you know, a jigsaw or whatever, and do it this do it this way cheaper. And that's what I would I try to tell people all the time. You don't need the high end tools. No, there is a way to do it. Yes, did I do I have more expensive tools because it makes the job go faster? Yes. If you're in a production shop, the faster you can turn stuff out, the better. Me as someone that only has so much time in my shop any given day. I need to be able to turn stuff out faster. I need, you know, to be able to, you know, you know, I need the big bandsaw. I need the CNC. Mm-hmm. Do I really need it? No. But does it make life easier? Yes. For my, my business, but my business is also paid for those tools. I didn't take money out of savings to do that. Right. You know, and it's just, you know, that's the way it is. And, and besides, if you go out and you spend $10,000 on tools and you find out you hate it, guess what? You're now you're only going to make five grand of that back. You know, it's, you know, certain things just don't 
resale rate. And I've right, bought right. my my bandsaw is how I got my bandsaw almost half of price because a guy bought it, realized I don't like doing this. <laughs> and he went and he did. He bought the bandsaw, bought every accessory for it, had like five blades for it. The, I mean, everything that could come with a saw listed and he's like yeah i just i don't like woodworking you know i like my laser it's cool but woodworking's not fun i'm like okay cool what other woodworking tools do you want to sell because yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know and you know yeah just start small and ask questions and my and i i that's one thing that that i love about you know having that social media presence out there. And I know it's not the biggest in the world to me, like seeing like, and I know, you know, we've all met, you know, through TikTok and Instagram, but I've never had that many followers. I've never touched that many people at one time, you know, seeing, you know, I think I'm at 11,000 followers. I know on, on TikTok, that's nothing. I'm chump change compared to a lot of people, you know, but even on Instagram, you know, and you know, people message me and at first they're like, you know, Hey, I want to ask you this question. Ask, mm -hmm. you know, ask everybody, send the same message to 10 different woodworkers and see what you get. Cause I guarantee you, you know, 10, you know, we're all going to do it a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, I guarantee there's things I do that Ben, you do completely different. And you probably look at things I do and go, what, why, <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, as long as you're not, you're not going to die, you know, you're fine. Right. You know? get the opinions, you know, before you get into it, or if you have the chance, find a local woodworker, find a hobby woodworker, you can go hang out with for a weekend, build a project with tell them, Hey, I'm going to supply all the materials. I just need your help. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to do it for me. I want you to teach me, you know, or if you're lucky enough to be near a rockler or um, what's the Wood other one? Woodcraft. Woodcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, right now is not the best time to go in and take a class, you know, because right. you know, everything going on. But go take a day class. You know, there's a guy local to me that found out he really liked wood turning because his wife bought him a wood turning class at Rockler. And he was like, this is going to be boring. People that use lays are old and obnoxious. And <laughs> it's, it's only a tool that old men use. Why do I want to use this? And now the dude's like, he and he almost annoys you with it. <laughs> every time I talk to him, dude, you're gonna get a lathe. When are you gonna get a lathe? I'm like, why do I need one? You have one. I'm just gonna call you and have you do it. No, no, man, you need a lathe. It's so much fun. I can teach you. I can do it. I'm like, no, I'm and I've thought about it. I think it, you know, it'd be fun, but mm -hmm. but yeah, just look at your look at the community, look at the resources, mm -hmm. you know, and realize the fear is real and it shit's going to go wrong. Stuff's going to break. It's going to scare you. You know, mm -hmm. don't stick, you know, for, I guess, I don't know how PC this podcast is, but don't stick certain things. Don't stick your fingers where you wouldn't stick um, your, your other parts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a t-shirt idea right there. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you do, don't call your wife, um, freaking out while she's at work and tell her that you're bleeding and you might have cut your finger off um <laughs> it's a great way to freak out the wife fortunately i do have all all 10 all 10 fingers and toes you know one's a little bit shorter than the rest but that's about <laughs> it um, just yeah just have fun it's yeah. it's a it's an addiction mm -hmm. 
and it's a very expense, expensive addiction. <laughs> I think the only only two other hobbies that I've had that equal to the cost, the expense that woodworking is, is um, the shooting sports I used to do be into and golf. And I haven't picked up a golf club except to move them when I moved in a long time. So, <laughs> well, BJ, appreciate you taking the time to come on the show tonight. But where, if folks are listening, want to get in touch with you on social media, where can they find you? Um, pretty much everything across social media, Byram's Custom Woodworks, um, yeah, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, that's really the main three that I'm on. If anybody has any questions, anything, feel free to give me a shout. I'm, my door's always open. I'm always welcome to answer questions. Awesome. Thanks again. And thank you for everyone, everyone that is listening to the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. Many of you asked, have asked, how can you find help out? There's a couple of things you can do. Uh, most of all, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review on there, and make sure to drop a comment. Secondly, tell your friends, family, coworkers about the show and talk them into checking it out. Lastly, if you'd like to bring new episodes out, head over to patreon.com. I have a little tip share set up on there. You can also <clears throat> click the show notes and check out the new merch store. The Axe and Hammer collection is out now for limited time. If you'd like to keep in touch with the show and see who's coming on the show next, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, at Rules of the Reunion Podcast. And don't forget the show is also on Twitch where you can tune into live conversations. Just head over to twitch.tv slash rules of the arena. And if you miss the live stream, but you still want to check out the video broadcast, you can head over to re- over to YouTube and just search Rules of the Arena podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me for, directly for any comments, questions, concerns, or be a guest on the show, please shoot me an email, Gordon, that's G-O-R-D-O-N, at blindninjastudios.com. And don't forget to check out my other show called No Story Left Behind. You can find that show on your on its own feed wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. Thanks again, folks, and we will catch you next time.